Now listen closely. They will attack your eyes till nothing remains but two bloody sockets. Ladies and gentlemen, my subject is disturbed tonight. Her world is disturbed. Now I saw those bodies and whoever mutilated them has a very special problem. There's nothing to be afraid of. Stay Scary Podcast. Yes, Dan Dan has a special place in his heart for showgirls. We are all Nomi Malone. I'm Nomi Malone flopping like a dead fish in the sex scene in the pool. <laughs> that scene is fucking legend. Legend. Who has, who, who comes like that? I mean, me, obviously. <laughs> who, who comes like that? Like, that is just like, and Kyle McLaughlin, like, gripping onto her, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could watch that scene, like, on a permanent loop, like, 10 hours of that, like, of that scene, and it would just make me so fucking happy. I feel like Kyle McLaughlin doesn't get enough flack for that scene. Like he is equally, if not more so ridiculous in terms of yes. how he is operating <laughs> with the, the, hand, the grabby hands through the, the dolphin fountain water yeah. and the pouring of the champagne. And, I mean, yeah. No, you could spend hours unpacking. Yeah. Now I got to watch that. We're going to get off. Cause I mean, I, I of course own it, you know, uh, I know this is a horror podcast, but I think I would love to do a live viewing uh, watch party of Showgirls. Oh, yeah. No, let's do it. That would be I, would, I would honestly argue Showgirls is a horror film. I would it really. Is. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it falls under. It, hits, it ticks a lot of check marks. Of Where do you feel that way, Dan? Uh, I think there's something grotesque about it. I think there's something savage and violent about it. Oh, the definitely. Atrocities that take place within it. Uh, I think people like write it off as like just like schlocky, silly. But like most horror movies that are also schlocky and silly, I feel like that doesn't necessarily discount it. I think it was also packaged as, you know, supposed to be like an Academy Award winning kind of film. But when you, when you look back in the history of the, like um, that creative team, like uh, Basic Instinct, I would say, is also a horror movie. And I feel like mm. even Flashdance to a certain extent is a horror movie. And yeah, no. And it's I think, all it's all comes down to girl in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or even uh, sort of girl becoming empowered and sort of yeah. how that terrorizes the patriarchy uh, and sort of what does it mean to be sort of a woman or even sort of a feminine entity in charge in a patriarchal system. And why is that horrific to, uh, you know, a society at that time? Or, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Nomi is this sort of monstrous character, but you can sort of, she's also, you know. She's a succubus. She's a succubus, but then she's also, I mean, you love her. And yeah, then, yeah. Well, uh, she's like the farm girl, like get, coming into the big city. Right, you know? right. And, and you and you you start to feel for her. You're like, oh, this poor little delicate thing. And you laugh at her naivety when mm-hmm. she talks about Versace. It's like, oh, nice, you know. Right. <laughs> but then yeah. she then she turns into she grows um, she grows claws. I mean, and and, and in her case, yeah. she literally she creates claws. 
Right. Wait, what's that? Who's that actress that uh, is the head dancer? God, what is her name? Gina Gershon. Gershon, Thank you. Yeah. So she becomes Gina Gershon, basically, who's like the lead monster. Like she's the big monster. And then and then she becomes the monster eventually. And then kicks the shit out of a rapist and, you know, leaves town. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's what, I mean, I feel like the, the term monster is such an interesting subjective, t- like, in th- I mean, I've just been thinking about the uh, idea of monstrous versus the idea of a monster being worshipped by some, feared by others, or what is it about fear that monsters exhibit in order to exert control and power? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about that in terms of, you know, political era and sort of milieu we're in at the moment how like you know 45 as a monster like revered by many too many and but then using fear to exert power and control and is truly monstrous and grotesque in so many ways and it sort of I feel like for me like begs the question if something is monstrous what you know what makes it sort of um is monster always you know maybe this is like too basic but like is monster always something that's negative or something to truly be feared like who's calling them the monster to, right. who, yeah. yeah who's calling right. them the monster wow look at dan coming in hot i know hot. yeah we haven't even done the intro yet so <laughs> <laughs> he's just ready to go uh yeah so welcome to stay scary podcast yeah. uh it's a very uh silly podcast about very serious horror i am your host lisa mcculgan i'm ian kiefer and here's our guest that we're very excited about. Introduce yourself, baby. Uh, my name's Dan Petchy. Uh, I'm a designer and uh, internet personality, I suppose. <laughs> you are an internet personality. And friend of Lisa McColgan. Yes, Dan Dan and I. Dan's my brother from another mother. Indeed. Indeed. It's true. It's true. Indeed. Deeply, and deeply bonded. He's here to talk about... Yes. Well, we're well. We're all here to talk about uh, fashion and costume design and horror. <clears throat> because I mean, I think that's something that uh, that that people don't really think about when they're watching a horror movie and the very deliberate clothing choices for both uh, protagonist and uh, and villain. Up, oh, Yin's got her notebook. Jesus Christ. Nice. <laughs> This clues one. Yin's, Yin's the note taker in this uh, in this uh, team of ours. I think I'd like to think it serves a purpose. She's old school. She writes shit down. I just like hit record and let it go. And you've been hitting record on the TikToks. I am now an internet personality. Indeed. Indeed. And in fact, I think I have some, I'll, I'll probably have some of my uh, TikTok followers listening to this episode. So That's hello awesome. to my, to my TikTok, uh, my TikTok stands. Love it. It's a little frightening. Speaking yeah. of frightening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's not, I think, what was your signature thing that made you blow up, Lisa? Well, the signature thing that, well, I mean, there were a couple of things that made me blow up. Right now I'm blowing up because I'm talking about um, the horrible ads that accompanied uh, Love's Baby Soft in the in the late 70s, early 80s, and <laughs> just basically fucking child porn. Um, 
and, and the way that shit was marketed to us. But the, my, my initial blow up happened when I uh, posted a video making fun of Melania's uh, sheath, I guess, uh, her muumuu, her her tunic, whatever, whatever that was that she stepped off the plane. That orange thing. In Florida, the, the, the shining carpet dress, the Gucci, the Gucci uh, caftan muumuu thing. Did you see that, Dan? I did not actually. You did not no, see that dress. Holy shit! Look that. Look that shit up. Look that up. It's it's pretty. It's a statement. Anything that bitch wore in that in that entire four years was a statement. And this was like you know the cherry on top of the fecal Sunday that was the Trump administration was like her stepping off the plane in that dress. Do you see it? Have you oh, found it? My God. Yeah. <laughs> Totally shining carpet esque horror. What it's, the? F? It's Gucci. It's Gucci. No. Well, yes. Well. Yes. As I was told numerous times by Melania's defenders on the talk, like, how dare you make fun of that? It's Gucci. I'm like, bitch. I don't care if it's Gucci. Right. No. You- no one's getting fucked in that dress. <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, no, no. I mean, no, Melania is ready to get some. I said on the, I said on my, I said on the TikTok, I said, she is ready to like drink like my ties and bang the cabana boy. Like that's yeah. what, that's what that dress says. Like I am done. That's a, a zero F's left to give. Dress. Yes. And oh, yeah, you can yeah. say fuck on this podcast. Okay. Well, that is an, no zero fucks left to give dress. No fucks even on back order. No fucks. Well, yes, the Lisa McColgan zero fucks left, uh, not even on back order clutch is still available at Dan Petty Company. It's true. Dan it's true. I was telling I was telling Yinny about our, our our collaboration, our one and only collaboration. Oh my god. One and only. Yeah, these well, are. Well, I mean, there we can, more. There should I be mean, more. There should be more. If you can see, I've got your beautiful uh, scarf um, hanging in the background. Oh la la! I'm honored. Thank you. I love that scarf. It's what is it? It's it's like the coven. What's it called? It's like yeah, Dan Petchy coven scarf. The day, yeah, it's the Dan Petchy coven scarf um, Mm. available at danpetchy.com. And he sent this to me for my birthday, and he sent me the super mega big one. Uh, How is it working out for you? I love it. But you yes, also it, have zero fucks to give because we're women of that age of, you know, <laughs> I give no shits anymore, <laughs> except we do care about fashion and horror because we, yes, there it we means go. something it, just much like Melania's wardrobe. It means everything means something. Like I was thinking about the one thing that came to mind was, um, uh, nightmare on Elm street, you know, and you know, the heroine there everything that she wears is so tidy and nice and her nice little sweaters, you know, juxtaposed with um, Freddy Krueger and his like nasty, baggy, horrible color scheme sweater. Right. For me, that's, there's like a total class fear tension going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like it reflects uh just like in like knowing that this was going to be the topic and sort of just ruminating and sort of meditating on it for myself. I just, I kept thinking a lot about how the fashion and, and these horror films sort of depending on what decade they're in really sort of, I think like with many horror films, like reflect the political 
climate and mm-hmm. sort of what are the social mores of that time? What are the things that are not just in fashion and fashion, but what are in fashion in terms of ideologies, what's in terms of what's in fashion in terms of sort of the belief systems at that time, I think's more liberal, political, depending. And I feel like you can see that reflected in uh like looking at the sixties, how, you know, you have like uh like the Hitchcock films where you have these really well-to-do heroines who are, you know, very glamorously dressed sort of, uh, being, uh, that being sort of ruined. Like I think of like Tippi Hedren. Yeah, exactly. Tippi's nice little like Chanel suit. Yeah. Yeah. Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock definitely had a type and they were blonde. They were pretty, um, you know, you had who you had Tippi Hedren, you had Grace Kelly, you had Kim Novak. I mean, that's a type, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're all like the classic style, like tailored suits, nipped in waists, you know, like impeccable, right? <laughs> yeah. And the sea, like tippy sort of, you know, pecked apart and bloodied and sort of, sort of degraded and shamed like that, seeing that character arc, I feel like is starting to lead into the more, you know, not only the tumultuous times of the sixties, but then into the tumultuous political climate of the seventies, which was like much more free love, boho, boho chic. Yeah. Kind of. And that sort of the slasher films of that era and sort of the fashion of that era, sort of who is attacking that, or like who's in danger at that point, right. versus sort of the tippy head and you know, well-to-do, being in danger at that point from falling from their pedestal of power, as it were. Yeah. And then what, how does that, then looking into the eighties, the nineties and so on and so forth. And I think there's an interesting sort of trajectory to follow and sort of thread to sort of pull apart, to sort of see uh, the victim victimization versus the predator and sort of what is sort of the monster getting back to that term again, like what is the monster of these films that is, and who is sort of the prey or the victim or being portrayed as the prey and the victim uh, in these films is, you know, uh, and what does that say about sort of the larger uh, sort of social climate at the time? And I feel like that's a really, uh, there's a lot to sort of pick apart there. Um, so you got, you got me thinking about, um, you know, like it, whoever the monster is, is really in the eye of the beholder. Like yeah. in these, in the, a lot of the time. And you know, who does a really good job of that is Ryan Murphy. Ryan mm-hmm. Murphy like looks at people in a really multidimensional way. I think, you know, I, I like, I know that this wasn't like the greatest uh, that he did, but Ratchet. Um, oh, sure, oh sure. God. Yeah. Yeah. Ratchet is gorgeous. Yeah. 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 It's really stunning. Gorgeous. Yeah. But you know, the character of nurse Ratchet, she was the villain in one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but then he takes her and he, he you know, you make, he's trying to make her more of a sympathetic character mm-hmm. in that movie. And, and, you know, he's got statements that, you know, things that he's trying to say, um, American horror story, the lady Gaga character talk about monster. Right. Sure. Um, you know, so she's like the, the head vampire of the whole place. And, you know, and sometimes she's portrayed as like this horrible person, but there are also times when, you know, you really sympathize with that character. So mm-hmm. I think he's one person that does an excellent job of, you know, yeah. looking at the person in different ways. And, and he's got a great team behind him. And I think, you know, I, you know, I don't know what his sensibilities are um, vis-a-vis, you know, the fashion industry, but like, you know, it's, it's a running theme and it's kind of a running joke. I mean, and especially in Coven, you know, especially with Coven, like 
you know, the, the, the scene, you know, where she's shrieking Balenciaga as she's burning at the stake. Yeah, I mean, Myrtle it's just Snow. Myrtle Snow. God, yeah. I love her. Um, yeah. I mean, and she was, you know, everything she wore was just, you know, over the top, but like, you know, like magnificent and, you know, like all of her clothes cost a bloody fortune. Coven was very, um, hit very hard with the, with the fashion thing, but also even, um, even 1984, like the, the whole slasher camp one, all of those clothes were very deliberate. Yeah. It was just like sort of the juxtaposition of like, you know, the bright colors, like what you associate with eighties fashion, you know, the very bright colors and the geometric design, uh, you know, the geometric patterns and, um, the, the archetypes, you know, like here's, you know, here are the pretty people and, you know, here are, you know, the, the, you know, the sort of, you know, punk rockers. And and that goes back to a movie that was also made around that same time, which is return of the living dead. Mm -hmm. Um, where, you know, the, you know, here are the bad, you know, the punk rockers and, and here's like, you know, the nice girlfriend who's in the, you know, cute little sweaters and the, and the, the hair bow and you know, the, the root perm. Um, (laughs) and then, you know, fucking Linnea Quigley, you know, in her like, you know, leg warmers and her, uh, you know, her, (laughs) they had to cover her up with a, like, like a, like a, uh, like a muff guard. (laughs) So that, like, you know, if you watch that scene where she strips naked and dances on top of the tomb, she's got no labia because they covered it up with like, like a, like, like a bald merkin, like, like they, they <laughs> watch it. And she talks about it. She talks yeah. about it. <laughs> she's, she's got, there's no there there. She's got like, this, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. I mean, that's, you know, they, they didn't want to actually, you know, see her, her bald, uh, no, no. Um, yeah. Yeah. so they covered it up and it, and somehow it just like looks even creepier. <laughs> yeah. Now Linnea, uh, yeah, she's, she's <laughs> Linnea, Linnea is a goddess. I mean, people who regularly listen to this know like my fixation with her and, and mm-hmm. I got to meet her, um, God, it was Salem, Salem Horror Fest, not this past October, but the October before when we could still go to cons. What was your impression of her? She was fabulous. She was so nice. She was so nice. Um, And she's, you know, signed. I actually have a picture of her like naked, you know, on the tombstone (laughs) signed. She was a little sex pot. And you know what? And she still looks fucking good. She's ripped. I don't know what she does, but like, yeah, she's she's smoking hot. Then I think of her in Night of the Demons. Like Night of the Demons is another great movie, like with fucking phenomenal costumes. Like that black bride dress is yeah, just yeah. like, you know, and that carries through like in, in the sequels yeah, is yeah. that is that fucking dress. But yeah, Linnea in her little baby doll dress, like, you know, and then shoving a tube of lipstick into her nipple. She's a goddess. <laughs> now... Here, I mean, this is for me. It's bring it's bringing well, one, and this might just be tangential, but it's making it's all tangential on yeah, the show. No, I mean, oh yeah, sure, cool, awesome, love it. Yes, uh, 
the uh, it, it's making it's bringing Elvira to mind, and I don't know if that's something. Oh, oh yeah, no, I mean Elvira. That was all. I mean, you know, and Elvira was based. It's kind of a brilliant thing what uh, what what she did with that character because you know Elvira was based on. Um, yeah, Vampira, um, who was also in Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know that very structured, corseted, angled. Um, Morticia too. Yeah. Morticia, yeah. and, <laughs> and so El- have like ribs removed to make yeah, her. This is one of those like maybe she. Yeah, that's like they said that about Cher too. They also said that about Marilyn Manson, so he could suck his own dick. Right. Um, that's like a regular <laughs> urban legend about having ribs removed to do various things. Um, <laughs> whether it's to fit in your dress or to suck your own dick, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's a win-win. It's a choice. Um. <laughs> I can fit into this dress and suck my own dick. Elvira, you know, made it into, you know, like the very obvious valley girl, like sex pot, you know, dumb, hilariously so. Um, you, my sister and I met her at uh, one of the Walker Stalker cons. We waited in line and had our picture taken with her. And uh, yeah, she's and yeah, talk about I mean, you know, I'm not she's got to be in her 60s anyway. But like she still got like the rack, like she just the Jeroboam's of tit flesh just like spilling out of the top. Like I was just like, God damn, girl, you go. What makes and, you know, relating it to like the grotesqueness of removing your own ribs in order to sort of you know, deify or sort of sex potify or sort of got up, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like go that extra mile. Go, yeah. What are, what are the sort of <laughs> the monstrous things that people do in order to, you know, make themselves that much more of a God or that much more yeah. of a. In service well, to the aesthetic. Sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then like thinking about like why that sort of uh, vampire, uh, Elvira, Morticia trope, that sort of cartoon-esque, very, elegant, elongated, exaggerated silhouette, what makes that particularly, um, what are sort of the dimensions of that that make that creepy or scary or sort of horrific, but then at the same time, incredibly elegant and chic and, you know. uh, It's, it's, you know, the sexy cadaver, like, you know, because I mean, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the cadaverous, you know, you think of death and you think the romance of death. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very romantic sort of thing, which, you know, I grew up, you know, I was, I was a goth and, you know, you very much romanticize, you know, pallidness and and um you know i was never i was never um rail thin enough to really um embody that aesthetic but i still got the nice skin it's decades of staying the fuck out of the sun (laughs) and drinking the blood of virgins and pretending to be a pale bride of arts (laughs) no so i mean you know so going back to like the 80s goth kind of thing you know i i went back and i looked at the hunger oh yeah with david bowie and uh catherine and peter murphy and Bauhaus and that opening the playing bella lugosi's dead i mean yeah yeah that's the aesthetic in that movie i forgot that susan sarandon's in that movie eve saint laurent dressed uh catherine deneuve and uh costumer melena cananero dressed bowie 
And makeup was done by Anthony Clavet, who uh, did makeup for Italian Vogue at the time. Uh, wow. And he's no longer with us. So, I mean, that's a very highly stylized movie. Mm-hmm. Some critics actually called it out uh, negatively because of that and said all style and no anything else especially plot coherence said Kim Newman of Empire but still that movie is like what people point to when they look at like the 80s goth scene and what people dressed up I mean yeah there were plenty of clubs that I did the taffy pull to that like was showing that on the wall somewhere yeah yeah. <laughs> that or neo nosferatu like either version of oh, yeah. nosferatu yeah mm-hmm. and and you know it, in that movie Catherine Deneuve is watching david bowie uh just kind of because she's like the centuries old vampire and i think she made him and he's disintegrating he just age he ages but he ages slower mm-hmm. and as she's watching him disintegrate into dust eventually she's getting ready to you know put him in a coffin with the rest of her lovers and then she's looking at susan sarandon as being like her new you know partner through walking this world and stuff so it's this kind of you know it's oh, like it's yeah. like youth like like youth youth eternal like she's just disgusted that you know he's aging and so and while she stays young forever and so I think the fashion world is kind of like that too you know except for you know like what you were saying I mean there's this now you're seeing more of this okay um like these women like Iris Apfel who you know are like you know these beautiful timeless uh women you know and we're just coming around to that now I think it's because we have more um people in that age group Uh we're living longer yeah, we're just living longer. So, you know, we can be glamorous and beautiful for longer, but just in a different way, you know? I feel like that movie in the early 80s, like you're seeing like all of these old money families start to disintegrate and sort of seeing vampires as sort of the metaphor for, you know, these super wealthy American families even starting to crumble to 80s money and sort of the new money coming up and and you sort of see that a little bit more even in like with interview with the vampire and sort of even the Bram Stoker Dracula from the both which I adore like yeah yeah right precisely because it it is so gorgeous to look at like Mm -hmm. especially interview with the vampire you know yeah these foppish dandy you know vampires you know with that just that just that touch of homoeroticism you know playing through the whole thing and you know they're elegant and they're and they're beautiful um but you know they're also vicious killers or certainly or certainly tom cruise tom cruise is the uh and and god i swear to god like it's just like i miss i miss when tom cruise was just like Fun to watch and, and wasn't like suckling at the teat of Xenu. Bram, Sto- Bram Stoker's Dracula is, is, is another vampire movie where they really, the costuming is great. Oh. The bride's oh. Dracula in that movie. Gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous. The, with the whole, the rough. Oh my God. Amazing. But totally like that old world, like European kind of aesthetic, like this, the old, again, like the, you know, the, the noble families are sort of like, again, like those, what, what are the sort of the super wealth, wealthy families? And then yeah, su- succumbing that. to base instincts. Right. And then sort of that kind of, there's still disintegrate, like it's not sustainable, like whether it's, you know, 
like the like uh seeing the, the sort of the class tensions of that and then seeing like fast forward to like the twilight films which oh yeah yeah they're sort of portraying you know new money vampires almost they're sort of playing this sort of like they I, they almost remind me of like you know tech money family like family kind of the oh, dot com like, boom vampires exactly, right like you see that <laughs> and it's like oh you know kind of like you know they're lovable they're not total monsters and it's like but they're still monsters like underneath it and it's yeah i mean just seeing like even like you know even like the fashion in like twilight for example like it's still there's this sort of rather than like the old again like the old world sort of foppishness dandyism like there's now instead this sort of catalog uh abercrombie like. abercrombie polo even uh uh that sort of aspirational tastefulness um, yeah. and then what that says about you know, where they are in the scheme of things and why, you know, even someone like Bella Swan would like want to be a part of that, you know, or sort of see that as an attractive thing, even though they're all undead and sort of, you know, suffering in their own ways. Like that, you know, thinking about uh, the victimization and also sort of, you know, she's like electing to be, and not that I want to talk about Twilight for any extended period of time. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> but sort of rather than, you know, rather than seeing, you know, like the seductiveness of like the old school uh, Bram Stoker Dracula or sort of the other right. that uh, what is sort of the new sort yeah. of wanting to become a part of that particular Hey, you know, vampires have come a long way from, you know, the capes and, you know, the stuff that you'd see like during the 70s, yeah, you know, yeah. Christopher Lee movies with, you know, the, him as being Dracula, totally different now. Yeah. You know? But I mean, Bella Lugosi, I mean, he started that off. I mean, that was, you know, when he played Dracula on stage and that was like, you know, it's become almost, you know, this comical trope of the vampire, you know, with the cape like that. But I mean, it was kind of groundbreaking in a way uh, what Bella Lugosi brought to, you know, the dashing, charming, you know, sexy vampire, like all kind of started with, with Bella. Like, I mean, it, you know, he, if you, you watch, you know, if you watch Dracula, it's, it's quite astonishing. I mean, he's, he's, dead sexy and in, in in that in that way i mean like you you literally he's <laughs> dead yeah, sexy right. if you just kind of wipe out you know the comical vampire you know and how how that how that end, ended up evolving into sort of camp and a joke and yeah. and and i think it like sort of eventually you know contributed to his depression and his addiction issues and mm -hmm. you know like you know he just sort of became like kind of this ruined man at the end yeah. um but if you watch dracula um, and see it for what it what it is and what it was. I mean, and stylistically, how very deliberate that whole put together. You know, I am I am put together, and I am elegant, mm. but I will tear your throat out. Right, yeah. right. And you know who else does that? I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back up to uh, the '90s. Is uh, uh, Feruza Balk in the Craft? Yeah. He's another, 
Yeah. About a wildly influential film on fashion and sort of. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 All of the girls are wearing their Catholic school uniforms. I don't know. Was it Catholic school or was it just a private school? I, I was. I don't, I, don't know. Know. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but you know, yeah. But you know, but they all. But they all wore their cat their their uniforms differently. So, like, and that's a thing. Like as, as somebody who yeah. went to Catholic school, like you, yeah. you know, you were in a uniform and everybody was wearing the same thing. But you know, with the girls, we found ways to you know work that. You know, whether like your your skirt is a little shorter or, you know, you kind of, you know, push the boundaries of what is acceptable jewelry. Um, You know, you try to make it yours. And and I think honestly, honest to God, like the reason why I am such a fucking clothes hound now is because I went to Catholic school. And that's so that that thing in the craft is very um, if you went to private school like that is that's definitely a thing. Yeah. Well, like Nev Campbell, her thing was her scars on her back and she thought she was ugly. So she covered up. I mean, she had, you know, things over. She wore layers over her uniform. Feruza Balk wore um, uh, Doc Martens along with her uniform. You know, there there were these like little nuances that kind of gave you an idea of who the characters were through their clothing, which I thought was pretty, um, pretty clever. Pretty clever. Um, so, you know, uniformity, but individuality at the same time. Um, but, and now going back to other school girls, the girls in Carrie with their gym shorts and their tight little shirts. Who's exercising in these clothes? Right. <laughs> who's, who's wearing these in gym class for real? Right. Right. You know, in the 70s and then Betty Buckley, she I'm sorry, I know you love her. So but she's she's also like the gym teacher and she's got like the little, you know, 70s gym shorts on with the tube socks pulled up to her knees and, you know, doing all the things. So, it, you know, it's like this. Uh, the 70s was kind of a funny time, you, you know. We want to talk about like the 80s having like, you know, Linnea Quigley is this is the sex pot final girl type of person. I mean, you know, there are plenty of sex pots in the 70s movies, uh, too, where women were portrayed, you know, uh, you know, as, as kind of like fodder for like the, the head monster in some in some of the movies that were out there, were, you know, slasher flicks. You know, it's like you, you see these women with like big boobs running through the woods. Ah, you know, somebody's coming to get me. What yeah. are you looking up there, Lisa? Um, no, I was just uh, I was thinking of um, uh, 30 Days of Night. And those vampires, um, yeah, 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 yeah. which also, you know, I, I was thinking particularly of Danny Houston, um, yes, you know, who's yeah, also, yeah. you know, one of my one of my crushes. And, I love and, him too. And they were all very; uh, those vampires were all very stylized. You know, they all looked very modern and sleek and cool. Right. Um, and and I appreciated that because you know, unlike you know, in in you know past iterations of of these uh super stylish vampires like they weren't you know by the end of the movie like their nice clothes were just like encrusted with blood and gore and there's that one scene where where danny houston is literally just running blood slicking his hair back yeah yeah. with with the blood Mm -hmm. you know um I love that movie. I know that people have mixed feelings about that, but um, 
uh, that those are of, of all like my, you know, and I have, you know, my favorite vampires. I'm, I'm definitely sort of in the Christopher Lee camp um, yeah. and the hammer, the hammer films. God, I mean, like, and let's, you know, we're not even getting into the hammer films and like how fucking stylized the very deliberate, you know, Victorian style of, of, of the, of the hammer studios, um, 30 days of night just sort of took that and flipped it, you know, like you, you don't, they're, they're so elegant and they're so stylized and you don't think about, you know, what they're doing and how savage they are. And 30 days of night, like took that and flipped it. Like, yeah, they, they have great clothes and they're really cool looking, but they're savage. They, and they, they, you know, they're, there's literal like throat ripping. Yeah. Um, in it's that, that movie. It, you know, it's, it, you know, we look so very human in our clothes, but deep down we're all animals. Yeah. Right. That's kind of what that shows us. Right. Yeah. I got to watch 30 days a night again. Yeah. I also, I had to, because of Carrie, you know, we have to talk about the dirty pillows dress and we have to talk about Betty Buckley's nightgown and all that stuff. No, not Betty. Well, no, not Betty, but Betty Buckley played the mother in the, in the Broadway version. Um, but it was Piper Laurie. Oh, I'm in the sorry. Movie. Piper Laurie. Thank you. Yeah. Piper Laurie's nightgown. Yeah. I feel like that's a really interesting, that I think that's a really interesting topic because when I think of, well, one, everything we've been talking about, the especially in relations, going back to like the Catholic school girl or sort of just the Catholic school, private school, sort of the uniformity of that and the fashion of that as like becoming, you're identifying in this group and you're, everyone's just sort of fitting in and they're sort of, you know, no one's standing out versus the idea of bringing style into it, you know, the personalization and subverting that and why that sort of could be associated with witchcraft and sort of, uh, you know, just, just the idea in general of fashion at large being a very violent act, uh, sort of something that requires like in the sense of not just like monstrosities of being savage and sort of, you know, like the bloodletting in and of itself, but thinking about it in terms of witchcraft as well. And sort of just thinking about the idea of, you know, for every, you know, every sort of negative thing you do, you have to do, it's like, you know, three times back or whatever. And Lisa, you would, as a certified witch, uh, you would. Certified, threefold uh, law. Uh, like I, I think of like bloodletting and self-sacrifice and sort of uh, repression and discipline and uh, just the idea of being um, sort of, on the cusp of death thin, for example, suggests like its own kind of religious fasting or just the idea of, you know, I, I think back to, again, this is like, you know, tangential, but probably related. But I think back to when I was like a teenager for myself, like my personalized goth was like, whenever I got like blood drawn or whatever, I would just wear the bandage and the gauze on my, uh, um, on my arms for like days and just like oh. treat it as like its own sort of like fashion accessory kind of because there was something very I don't know chic about it like you think about like models for like any designer brand like whatever it's not necessarily that they're the most sexually beautiful or attractive or you know uh, they're grotesque designers prefer a skeletal form, right. a dress yeah. form, because the clothes hang better when there's no lumps and bumps. And, and that is, you know, in and of itself, you know, sort of 
it well not sort of it's it yeah like like Dan was saying it's violence violence um, like, like the Calvin Klein models like yeah the heroin chic yeah they're all, yeah, they're, they all look exaggerated in some way yeah like there's this extremism it's about like being an extremist you know like you're either very close to death and there's something elegant and sublime because it's sort of so you're afraid of it and but then you also sort of have pity upon it and are fascinated yeah you know like there's and then yeah all of that like thinking about when i think about like sort of what are the horror films that i think of now that would like reflect the times it's like whether, you know, even I would even I would and I would throw showgirls into this sort of mix. But thinking of like Midsummer. Oh, yeah. Well, Midsummer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the design the elements uh, of Midsummer are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's this uh, sort of not commonplace, but, you know, this sort of uh, this sort of maybe even underdog or there's this person, this sort of misfit in society who then rises above society and becomes, you know, this becomes their own God over everybody. Uh, The May Queen. Yeah. yeah, The May Queen, the witch and the witch sort of this sort of feminist, uh, like this just in power again, over like a patriarchal society and just becoming your own God. And it's like, they are becoming monsters in sort of in one way. And then it's also like, they are coming into their own and sort of no longer being uh, a victim or an oppressed person within that. Yeah. Right. Uh, Dakota Johnson in, um, and you, you can feel however you want. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Did you spirit. see it? Yeah. I saw the remake. I've seen the original, but it's so gruesome for me that it just sort of became like, um, like torture porn to me. And I, I, just, yeah. I, I mean, I just got like very ill watching. Yeah. It. Yeah. Sort of stunning as it is. Mm-hmm. And I sort of feel that way about like midsummer, like again, getting back to the, like, the philosophical notion of sublime, it's like so disturbing that yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I can only take so much of that. <laughs> personally. No, it's, but, yeah. it's fine. Uh, I mean, but, like, the, the thing with Suspiria that I thought was really interesting. So you have Dakota Johnson, same thing. Girl yeah. gets out, you know, she's she runs away from a Mennonite community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can't yeah. get anywhere, you know, goes to goes to dance school and um, you know, slowly like Nomi just becomes like, you know, starts wearing nicer clothes, fashion yeah. again, being a wep, you know, weaponizing. Uh, fashion or, or, or violence through clothing or, you know, or it shows that you have status, right? It shows that your, your station in life is this. So she's wearing nicer clothes after her friend, um, Sarah played by Mia Goth, uh, who, you know, meets her demise in the movie. And so she, she's, she's, and, and Tilda Swinton in this movie who I always, well, I mean, Tilda is like, she's yeah. like striking as fuck. Um, Alien even. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, Otherworldly. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's just phenomenal. Um, but you know, the clothing, you know, that, that, that Tilda Swinton wears in the movie, it's like very, um, very severe, 
you know, just like the character, you know, she's like the head, uh, you know, witch in the whole thing. And so like Dakota Johnson's character goes from being, you know, this little meek country mouse to being like, you know, the head of the coven eventually. Sure. And like in the middle midst of all this, like you, like we were talking about, you know, or, you know, joking about the rumors about people getting their ribs removed. Talk about extreme body modifications while dancing, you know? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like black swan yeah. yeah i mean the dance the dance world is savage yeah. it I mean, is it's especially ballet yeah. savage but yeah. some of the things that i looked at they actually so the the costume designer is uh julia Piersanti, who also did the costuming in uh, call me by your name uh it was the same uh director uh luca guad Donino. So sorry. I'm so sorry, Luca. Um, but one of the things that they did was they used red bondage rope for the costumes in the big dance scene. Yeah. I didn't know. And it like the way they have it, it evokes dripping blood. It was real. That was, I thought that was really, really cool. And that big number um, Volk was fashioned after uh, Le Medusa's um, which is another dance number uh, that uh, I'm, I didn't get a chance to check out. But then they also created, uh, like, for the Black Sabbath, there's, like, all this uh, human hair. They actually used human hair in the clothing and hanging on the walls. Um, there's another dress that Dakota Johnson's character wears. Um, it's black. She's at a dinner party. And the patterns are patterned after women's hip bones made to look like cherry tree branches. So there's like all this kind of hidden like weirdness in the clothing, you know, in the costume design, which I think makes it like I want to I know it's it is brutal and it's and it's like kind of disturbing but i'd watch it again just to pick out those little oh yeah sure now that you've now that you've said that i'm like yeah now now i've got to go back and and look at that from a design perspective yeah i mean it's a strike it's a very striking movie um i'd watch it just for that you know just like um i mean there's more of a plot to it than say you know uh the hunger, but, you know, both I think are visually striking movies and, you know, have like something to offer there, but just a funny aside, going back to Hitchcock. <laughs> so Marlena Dietrich wanted to, um, you know, she, Alfred Hitchcock wanted her for um, stage fright, which was in 1950. And mm -hmm. she, and he, he was like, okay, Marlene Dietrich, we want you in this movie. And she said, no Dior, no Dietrich. So she would only do it if she was costumed by a Christian Dior. I think it's, Suspiria is like brilliant. I do love the remake. I really do love the remake. I know some people have like, you know, mixed feelings about it, but mm -hmm. I, I. No, I loved the remake. I, yeah, there's there's something so it really like talking about like the severity, the self-discipline, the self-mutilation and the sort of, again, the grotesqueness of and the sort of the dedication and sacrifice and the eroticism of it. I mean, yeah. it's it's all very erotic, very I mean, witchy. Of course, it'd be a coven of witches and a dance studio and, you know, German, like, of course. Um, and just sort of. I mean, just thinking about like Regali and sort of, I mean, when I think about like designer, like what high-end designers have become from before the old days of like couture being, you know, much more personalized. When, it, when you think about like the commercialization of like these high-end designer brands, 
over, yeah. um, you know, the last century or so, uh, with like, you know, um, moving away, like holding on to this romanticism, this old world romanticism and sort of aspirational idea of couture, which is like, you know, such a small percentage of people of yeah. customers actually sort of partaking in that yeah. versus sort of the fast food I guess. Fast fashion. Fast I mean, yeah, fashion. you know, H&M, Forever uh, 21, you know, all of well, these. Even still like, does, like high, like Gucci, um, yeah. like even, you know, these other, that still be, they're still selling this, you know, the, the, the idea of the, what you're asked, what you're aspiring to with yeah. something like, whether it's, you know, perfume or whether it's just a wristwatch or just a pair of shoes, or even just like, just simply a t-shirt with the brand on it. Sure. And what, you know, like that's still being this sort of, it's within reach, but it's still, there's a sacrifice. It's like a monetary sacrifice. Like the idea of like a t-shirt being, you know, several hundred dollars is like a deeply absurd kind of thing, but it's something that someone sacrifices in order to have a small, like, you know, piece of that larger right. community, but that sort of coven, as it were, even like you're in this club, you're in this yeah this class. Uh, yeah. Um, and like the name matters. It's like when yeah. I posted again, going back to when I posted the TikTok video where I was bagging on fucking Melania's dress and, and like the number of people who had to come on and tell me that it was Gucci, like, yeah, right. like that matters. Yeah. Right. But it's Gucci. I don't care if it's like blessed by the Pope. <laughs> But the same, the same psychology, the same pathology, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. What are the, oh. like, what do you call the things in the church that are like blessed objects or I'm, relics? Like, relics. Like, relics. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Except a wristwatch is a relic and yeah. the brand is that religion. And yeah. Oh my gosh. Speaking of another succubus with a coven of her own of like outrageously priced things, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with her goop, with her group coven, goop coven. Stop yeah. calling it a coven. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> stop associating. Cults, okay? Stop associating my spirituality with fucking Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. And her I'm vagina sorry. steaming. <laughs> Coochie <laughs> candle, yoni egg. <laughs> that is not a coven. It's a cult. All right, fine. It's all in the same pot. And it's all so interesting to see it refract and echo and, uh, Especially again, like in horror, I feel like the horror film is so, it's such, I mean, looking back, like I thinking about like, you know, archaeologists or whatever, people who are going to be pouring through films to try to get an idea of, you know, the culture. Of oh my God. Aliens are avoiding our planet. Yeah. <laughs> if they're looking at all of our shit <laughs> right now. But I, I really feel like they should look to horror films to really get sort of a condensed uh essence of what was like the psyche uh oh sure grander psyche sure uh, you know and i've said before you know like especially like particularly with zombie movies to sort yeah. of you know get further off topic like you know yeah. we we've we've gone through like zombie narratives you know at peak points in our history since you know the cold war and um you know what 
those particular kind of movies are saying about the political climate at the time. Sure. Um, but, you know, this then the same can be said for what people are, you know, what people look like in these horror movies. Yeah. And what, you know, what what the villain, what the villain or what the you know, what the monster is wearing, you know, is the monster wearing Gucci? Is the monster wearing a gross, you know, green and red, you know, sweater or green and orange sweater? So, Dan, when we were having our little discussions before, like coming on together, there's a lot of you like you just like came up with some stuff and I was like, I can't keep up with you, Dan. Um, but I'm looking at it right now. And like we, you were talking about the witch and Midsommar and Suspirian Showgirls and how, you know, there's this porno fetishy fashion of slashers too, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. like uh, I, it got me thinking like how much of um, how much of bondage stuff comes into these horror films, you know, how much like, like fetish wear comes into, um, you know, regular fashion now, you know, um, like, like leather pants, you know, or, uh, chains on clothing or on shoes, you know, um, how those are adopted, how those are appropriated, how those are acclimated, how are those are changed, and how they're how they're mainstreamed, you know, so you're taking like fringe culture. Right. And, and you know, making it more acceptable. Well, look at the hell. Look at the Hellraiser movies. Like, look at the. Oh, Cenobites. my God. Yeah. Like, oh. if you want to talk about fetishistic, like right. the Cenobites, like no one does it better than the Hellraiser movies. Right. Right. That is some like. <laughs> heavily disturbing yet somehow erotic ever since yin has been my podcast wife you know i've slowly been you know letting her know about you know the whole idea that there is a porn for everything and you know that there is like there is pinhead porn out there like you know the ladies holy shit what oh my god what there's a film called um, Cockraiser. <laughs> she, you know, I've got her looking at things. I plant it in her mind and then she looks at, looks for it and then she finds it. Oh, like, my. it's like it's like when we had Alex, when we had Alex on and we were talking about rabbi porn. <laughs> it's out there. It is. It really is. Cockraiser. Yes. Cockraiser. <laughs> I'm watching that tonight. <laughs> well, it, it's it's 33 minutes long. That's all you need. <laughs> oh my god. It's not enough. <laughs> Dear lord. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Uh, all right. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah like I don't want him in my puzzle box. <laughs> like the fucking Cenobites are like some of the most severely fashionable monsters out there. <laughs> Before there was Marilyn Manson, <laughs> there was yeah. There was I mean, like you know, Marilyn Manson's just copying all of that, and then you know, putting it in a blender, and you know, people are buying it. You know, it's yeah. just yeah. He, there's nothing. Marilyn Manson's not doing anything new. It's yeah. it's just a regurgitation of you know, serial killer, you know, bondage, vampire, you know blood and shit and you know and thinking that's shocking and it's really not yeah nothing's new it's just reborn 
Yeah. Shelly Duvall, Wendy in The Shining. Yeah. And her fashion. She's like the queen of the jumper. Jump, uh, all of her the, outfits were like she's these all like buttoned up to the neck. Corduroy jumper, turtleneck. Yeah, everything's like very... Um, very covered up and comfortable and cozy and, you know, just kind of, you know, um, <laughs> like, like very motherly, her, very young motherly of the but, 70s. But it's almost, you know, her clothing is almost like a denial of what's going on. Exactly. You know, it's just right. like I, I'm, you know, I've got an alcoholic husband who's, you know, he's not right. drinking right now, but he's also not really addressing his alcoholism. Um, and this is fine. And every this is fine, you know, everything's burning and, and she's got her like her corduroy jumpers and and you know looking all put to you know, just not even so much put together because she's not, you know. I mean her like you can see, you know, she's got all of these comfortable, comforting right. clothes on, right. but like her hair is a disaster. Yeah. And and you know, you can see her falling apart inside of these clothes as she, you know, coming to the realization of what's of what's happening. The the, the outfits that she wore were outfits a little girl could wear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, they were they were like very uh, uh, babyish to me. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's desexualized, you know, she's she's yeah. like she's not. But and that's the thing. She's not the mate. She's not the maiden. She's not the mother. She's not the crone. You know, like what what is you know, it's the clothing choices for that. I totally think it's an absolute reflection of her denial of how bad things are, especially when we see like. Uh, you know, how sort of deranged and sort of horrible he seems from the get-go. Mm -hmm. I think in particular, um, not just in the types of clothing that she's, the comfortable clothes and sort of the everything is great, uh, you know, good vibes only, you know, there's negative is going to bring me down, uh, just positive thinking. And I think of in particular the scene, which is probably one of my favorite in the whole film, and I re- think really sort of for me is like the real sucking in point that I remember when I first watched The Shining was when she's talking to, um, is it just, is it just a pediatrician or that comes in after Danny has his first episode at the, Oh, right. Well, she's yeah. talking to her in their, um, in their apartment and she takes the way she takes out a cigarette and the way she uses, and it's just a sick, you know, it's like, whatever, I don't even know what type, Maybe that is important. Maybe someone will write it and say it's an important brand. Uh, but the way that she holds the cigarette and then tells us how about uh, how um, the horrific, so calmly tells us about how Jack uh, sort of I, it took um, Danny's arm. Uh, dislocated, like, dislocated it, yeah. Dislocated his arm, but says everything's going to be fine. The way she elegantly holds that cigarette to me is very fast. Like that is high fashion just that treatment of it for this generic cigarette like accessory and that but she's saying this horrific red flag at the same time and she's holding on to this and she's like i have my life like that to me like it says like i have everything together even though 
when I, even though the thing I'm vocally expressing is completely undermining everything about that from the legs down. So it's like, yep. and that That's I just, a good catch you know, like that juxtaposition yeah. and that, uh, I just find that so memorable, impactful, compelling, and sort of a piece of the, the, the larger themes of the entire film itself mm-hmm. uh, and what it has to say. Uh, but yeah, thinking like thinking of fashion is not just um, what it is that you're wearing. Like, again, like the cigarette is just this generic accessory, but how you wear it or how you treat it or how you in particular personalize and stylize that and what it says. Right. And then, and, and- the, the dirty thinking of the dirty pillows too again this is jumping on all around but yeah like, yeah that's, uh, that's what we do that scene the dirty pillow scene where you know you have the 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 ascetic sort of um all black up to the neck mother like telling her you know your dirty pillows are showing and you know carrie's a i mean carrie's a witch right like i know it's like telekinesis but it's like yeah carrie's essentially you could consider a witch figure right yeah like i feel like that sort of brazen looseness and the sexuality of like you know everybody has dirty pillows like stop making this thing that is their breasts mama and every woman has them right exactly like that is such a claiming your own and sort of rather than having power by denying like the way that the mother is trying to exert power by denying and repressing like that sort of full embrace of like, you know, that sort of Dionysian spirit as it were kind of, you know, it's like that the Apollonian like rigidness and repression and self-discipline and rigor and sort of the elegance and, you know, style of that versus the carry sort of free form. Like I have friggin' magical powers, bitch. Uh, you know, <laughs> like I can move shit with my mind. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I am. The dirty pillows dress. It starts out pink. And then when she goes ham all over the high school gymnasium yeah. or yeah it's red blood down the whole thing which shows up all over the power you know the power of yeah the life power the the real it's like a real coronation and it's such a yeah like like at the end of the witch too which i finally i finally come to terms with the ending of the witch like dan and i went to see when when the witch was in the theaters dan and i went to see it together um i initially was very angered by the ending of the witch i i I just i i hated it and but i've come around to it over the last couple of years um I, I, you know, I, I was just sort of like, it's, it's too much. And, and I didn't, I guess I just didn't, I wasn't looking at it from the perspective of her um, breaking from this rigid Calvinistic um, life that she was living and into like the, the bloodletting. You know, where she's where she's levitating and laughing and it's all these naked, bloody women, you know, jiggling their stuff around around the fire. And, you know, I see it now as, yeah, very powerful. And and, and it, it you guys talking about, you know, 
the transformation of Carrie's dress kind of like brought me back to the end of the witch yeah, where there's actually no dress involved, you know, even though she's lured into it by, you know, the promise of a pretty dress. Right. Um, but in the end, she's just naked and covered in blood and, and dancing around a huge fire with other like, you know, naked, don't give a fuck women. Which in its own way is kind of its own, uh, I mean, nakedness as fashion, but yeah. also like, it makes me think of like, I would totally like thinking about like Alexander McQueen, you know, and like that, I feel like a bloody, like, I feel like in the world of fashion and the world of high art or world of conceptual art or whatever, especially in like Alexander McQueen, who I really feel is just like an experimental theater director who found his voice through just fashion and just was like, you know, packaged mm-hmm. as such. Like, I feel like just a bloody naked female torso could totally be like the new little black dress. And this, like that, like you could totally call that its own kind of dress. Oh my God, that's you know? brilliant. But for me, like, it's like, I feel for me, like the witch is like the naked, it's like almost like you think of like Midsummer. she has that extravagant operatic flower um, you know, yeah. flower explosion, headdress, headdress and all everything. Yeah. You know, burning her boy ex boyfriend. Well, boyfriend. I'm not sure. Like, what, they were right that? stuffed inside of a bear. Yeah. yeah, doing this horrific thing and then being, you know, looking fabulous and you know, exaggerated and again, like operatic at the end uh, in that getup. Uh, thinking about like, you know, uh, Carrie when she's, you know, it's the, you know, the the dirty pillows dress covered in blood and, you know, she is the prom queen and then you know, really is coordinated the show that shows her power. Or even like Nomi, going back to showgirls. <laughs> Nomi going to, you know, kick what's-his-face, uh, the rapist's, uh, uh, oh, yeah. with the um, you know with her red nipples painted like the lipstick red like that whole like they're or even just thinking about like queens or goddesses in general that's sort of exaggerated sort of regard I could totally I guess what I'm getting to is sort of in the witch the nakedness at the end it's like the ultimate that's her power scene. That's her power reading. Yeah. Like the ultimate statement and thinking about like body, not just like body positivity as a trend, but body positivity as like a deeper concept of just the naked human form being what it is you're really selling in a way. Like, you know, that the fashion is almost like misdirection from that. Like, and you have to think about this for like, yeah, yeah. even on like, you know, the higher sort of self-empowerment sense of that, but then also in the more tawdry, like any model, like if they have like a body that someone particularly thinks is attractive, they're going to look in good, quote unquote, good in whatever the hell they wear. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that kind of a, what are we really yeah. selling? Like this, a body type or someone who is comfortable in their own skin. What is yeah. it exactly that we're selling? Is it confidence or is it just the, beauty of the human form no matter what it is or you know again the subjectivity of that there's something there and for the end of the witch for me that was what uh, I align it with it's like the nakedness is the ultimate right ultimate uh, the ultimate coming into oneself right yeah and how that is so closely like with you know not just female empowerment, but like the, the power of a witch is sort of it's like the ultimate subversion of this idea of, you know, wearing anything. Lisa, I almost like wonder about this. 
because I had like another reaction to the witch too when I first saw it with you. I was also kind of let down by it. Mm-hmm. But it felt like to me because rather than them finding empowerment sort of through themselves, they still needed this patriarchal figure in black yeah. to lead them to it. Right. So it still like it almost felt I know, yeah, I totally, for me, it was like, yeah, but Black Flip is just like another patriarchal dude. He's really, but he's yeah. he's the devil. And it's this idea that, you know, witches can only come into their power if, you know, a um, irresistible male figure, you know, offers them niceties. Um, you know, you're signing and that, and that's, you know, that's the other problem with, I have with the, with the, with the Sabrina, uh, reboot, you know, and, and like they all worship Satan and it's just like, well, no, I, I I don't worship Satan. I don't, I don't believe that Satan exists. And, you know, the idea that witches come into their power um, via, you know, this this male figure rather than establishing their own sovereignty. Right. And, you know, um, being sovereign in their in their own space and coming into you know, whatever connection that they have to the universal mind or, or power. Um, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's, that, that part of, of the witch still kind of sucks. Um, Like this like pimp streetwalker. Yeah. But it is, but it is a very striking ending. Um, Just the same. Yeah. Yeah. Another, yeah, another issue, like, relate, like, so many of these horror films have the male gaze in them. Oh, yeah. How much that is, like, informed so much. And then thinking, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, like, I almost wonder how possible it is to extract that or separate that from the conversation, even though it's sort of implicit throughout. Like, the idea of, like, what is sexy versus what is what is considered sexy at large mm-hmm. and who determines that and what is that or sort of again even hearing you guys talk about um calling someone a sex pot from like the question that for me becomes like what about these figures makes them a sex pot to you in particular you know like right what are sort of the um the elements that sort of make what makes your brain go sex pot with that, you know, like what are the, the particular attributes or details or sort of what are the, the boxes checked that makes that gives them that category for you? Um, or in using like an example. Um. The first episode that we ever did was about the final girl. And, you know, and, and what I said before about, you know, the trope of girl in trouble. Um, but and and it's always the quote unquote sex pot that like ends up being slaughtered like early on in the movie. Um, it's never it, it's very rarely the sex pot that gets one over on the monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, that's rooted in in the male gaze and it's rooted in this puritanical, um, you know, because America is very much founded on puritan values um and you know what makes the sex pot the sex pot has the audacity to reveal Mm -hmm. Mm um whether it's you know the tightness of the of the garment or the or the lack of of garments um you know we're sort of automatically um 
drawn to think, um, yeah, sex pot. It's something that keeps me up at night because I find it a really difficult thing to parse. I find it a really difficult, uh, like, wish I, you know what I mean? It's like with her character in The Shining, there is, she's, yeah, she's attractive. She's not, I don't know. It's a tough. Pot, sex pot or attractiveness or anything like that, I guess could be measured by how much audacity someone has to be themselves. Yeah. Do you know I what I mean? That. I love, like, that. I, I, love think, that. I think it's that. Yeah. I think it's that. That's such a mysterious and sort of immutable kind of, that's such a, I mean, I hate to say it, it's such a vibe. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I really feel that. I really like yeah. that. Vibe. Yeah. If you have the guts to be unapologetically yourself. Yeah. And then you're a sex pot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then also, I, I can't remember reading, reading somewhere or, you know, it's this idea of symmetry and that an attractive face or, or what what the human eye is is responds to is symmetry. And if you have, you know, sort of like, you know, nearly symmetrical features, that's considered attractive. Mm-hmm. And so anything that's, you know asymmetric or something that is you know you're you're you know you're jarred by something about the way somebody looks you know determines their attractiveness and that you know that just goes back to the male gaze in horror movies and how you know the final girl is invariably very pleasing to look at Mm -hmm. would you consider for the sake of argument would you say that the more the more symmetrical might be considered monstrous or could be considered monstrous versus the asymmetrical being monstrous because it's asymmetrical or where it depends. depends. I'm going to say it depends uh-huh. because you know you can look at somebody who is like just to a T, everything is perfect, and there's something alien and weird about it because yeah. nobody is that perfect. Can't, can't <laughs> yeah. Be, you know? yeah. Yeah. And, and so like, I'm going to just kind of go back to something that I said before. So, you know, being, you know, having the audacity to be yourself, I think is like, you know, something that would be very sexy or very appealing, but I think that really requires, and I think we see this in the movies, you know, where we see somebody who's, you know, kind of a, a plain Jane turn into like this swan. Mm. Um, like they don't know themselves. They haven't experienced enough adversity to get to know who they really are. And then there's those power, like we talked about those like power reveal moments that these women have where Naomi kicks the shit out of the rapist or, you know, um, what the Dakota Johnson gets to be, you know, like the head coven person or, you know, Midsommar where the May queen shows herself, you know, like you go through a lot of trials and tribulations in life this is what sucks about getting older. This is the one thing that I hate. So when, when I was younger, I was like, yeah, I look back at pictures. I'm like, Oh God, I really miss having like, you know, like being more tight (laughs) and not feeling like everything's hanging down and, you know, heavier and all this other stuff. But you know what? I didn't know who I was back then. And I didn't appreciate what I had. Um, 
And I don't think anybody, you know, does, nobody appreciates their, their younger form. And it's not until we get our asses kicked by life a few times and come out the other side and we go, bitches, I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> let's, let's rock you know <laughs> it's 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 like I think and I think that is way sexier than the other I'm with you and that makes me think of the final girl or really sort of and like society's obsession with youth uh, or sort of how we make these younger classically beautiful like whatever it is like celebrities of people and how that sort of relates back to sort of human sacrifice as ritual and sort of I think of like you know trying to keep this within like the horrors of like American Idol like American Idol is really about like you know you put these you know these kids who don't really know who they are yet are really just trying to reflect and sort of figure themselves yeah. out. Or even like, you know, the young ingenue types thinking of like Iphigenia at Aulis uh, yeah. being sort of the human sacrifice, like, you know, this perfect, pure, uh, you know, young female darling, you know, kind of embodiment of that and sacrificing that and sort of, and then thinking about like, was it, was it the Aztecs? I think when like they would select the most beautiful like youth that they had and yep. sort of shower them with gifts and shower them with, you know, all adulation and sort of treat them like royalty for like however long. And then just, you know, savagely ritualistically murder them and like, yeah. spectacle. <laughs> and then, and the same with like, I feel like even like looking right. at Britney Spears, you know, it's like you get, you have all of these perks and then like one day that suddenly ends and you fall into madness. And yeah. Like, there you completely lose yourself versus you know people who make it like the you know make it in the sense of like they get through it and they're bruised and bloodied but they're still they know who they are now right and they have that sort of deep-seated confidence within uh knowing who you know who i is like that is uh jamie lee curtis mm, yeah i think of jamie lee curtis yeah the original yeah. scream queen yeah 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 yeah. yeah yeah and how she's evolved because i from... remember some of some of the movies that she was in so she started out with you know as we knew her like in the halloween movies and then like doing movies where she, you know there's a lot of, of her body being shown and so so much of her identity was around her beauty her perceived beauty or her outer beauty but she was dealing with a lot of things herself you know she had her issues with addiction she had her issues with like you know being the 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 child of two hollywood um you know actors um that has to be kind of like uh, a thing too but now like jamie lee curtis i mean she's you know she's doing these what Acti- activia commercials Selling <laughs> activia is sexy Gut health is sexy. I mean, that I feel like that is like actually a perfect example of what you might be talking about, Yin. Yeah. Um, who gives two fucks? You know, it's like, I'm going to fucking, yes, I'm going to sell you fucking yogurt. And, you know, <laughs> it's, there's actually something incredibly hot. It's exactly like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to fucking own this. I'm going to sell you fucking activity yogurt. Yes, I'm of a certain age. Yes, this is all about like you know your gut biome. It's still <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like there's, yeah. it's so unabashed for something that you know like if you're doing like a diarrhea commercial or something. You know, like, like, <laughs> in the same kind of like like the actors who agree to do um, 
like diarrhea commercials, you know, like whatever it is. I feel like there's the same, a similar kind of like sexiness. It might be out of desperation or just wanting work, but just being like, you know, work is work. Yeah. Yeah. This is a part of life and relating it to the reveal. Like they're willing to reveal this private thing and this thing that's like a commonality and not being ashamed of it and being like, you know, I'm going to fucking capitalize it on top of that and make bank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, used to get, I used to get chased <laughs> around the neighborhood by a guy wearing a William Shatner mask, but I care about my gut health now. <laughs> it's hot. It's let's, hot. Talk, let's talk about my intestines. <laughs> I used to run away from homicidal maniacs, but now I am, I'm regular. <laughs> Activia. Uh, seems like a good point to wrap things up (laughs) when we start talking about shit it's all over oh my god i love you guys for this we've hit hit the end we're talking about shit And Jamie Lee Curtis's colon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, Oh, man. All right. So what have you got out to, what have you got to pimp out? What's going on in your world, Dan, before we wrap it up? My world? (laughs) Well, one, I've been trying to say, but I can't because I've been laughing too hard. Uh, Thank you. This has been a joy and a pleasure. Yes. In so many ways. Thank uh, you so for thank finally you coming up. on and seeing really what this shit show, this it. literal uh, shit show is about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, remember one plug, danpetchy.com. Yes. Get something nice. Get something, get, get yourself something that makes you feel uh, like you're expressing yourself, your true and absolute so and i can say that uh, that yeah. someone who owns a number of your of your things that uh yeah you, if you want to make a statement um get you something from from dan petchy amen that and i you know related to everything we've talked about for myself and this isn't so much a, a plug as just something i feel is important to say that's how i've come to sort of look at what i do as a designer is that is my service is to try to help people outwardly express something that, you know, they want to express and make them feel more like themselves. Uh, yeah. So we don't have anything in particular to pimp out other than, uh, this, uh, other than this podcast. Um, and, uh, you can like us on Facebook. Uh, we do have Twitter and Instagram and I don't know, maybe we'll do a TikTok too. Um, I think, you know, we could do a TikTok. Um, but yeah, you can uh, you can catch us on the social medias. Uh, you can listen to us, obviously, wherever you're listening to. And uh, if you're on a platform that allows you to rate or leave a review, please do that. And obviously, the biggest way you can help us uh, is to tell your friends. Um, so thanks, Dan, for being on and you. tolerating our insanity. Um, and uh, tolerate enjoy, <laughs> savor. <laughs> and and thank you all as always for listening and stay scary. There's some